welcome to the Big Kids Book Club. A podcast about all things fictional, from middle grade to young adult. So sit back, relax and enjoy the show. Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode of the Big Kids Book Club. Uh, my name is Marcus and I am your host. And joining me on the show today, I have two lovely guests, both joining me from the US of A. I have Ryan Jacobson and Deb Mercia, writers of the Detective You and Can You Survive series. Welcome to the show, the pair of you. Thank you. Thanks so much. It's great to be here. It is very exciting. Firstly, to chat to American authors, because being here over in the UK, getting to do some international stuff is cool. Doing two authors at once, that's pretty special. It's nice to meet you both. And let's get to know both of you. So we'll start with Deb. If you want to tell us a little bit about how you got into becoming an author and a writer, and then when you're done, Ryan, you jump straight in. Uh, sure. Well, I um, I guess I started back in uh, high school, really. I started, I started writing, and um, a, a high school teacher of mine submitted a poem without me knowing about it to a competition and it won. <laughs> so that, that kind of gave me the bug to keep keep going, keep writing. Um, went to school for English uh, and actually I went to school for uh, music and you know found out you actually have to practice to do that. So I switched over to English um, and uh, just had a great time with it. Um, went back to school when my kids were little and got an MFA in creative writing and um, just kept going from there. Yeah, um, my story's much different than Deb's. I was a terrible writer as a child. Um, I I actually didn't do a lot of writing or reading as a child. I never had aspirations of being an author. Um, I eventually found a love for writing through um, becoming a sports reporter for my school newspaper. So um, writing stories about sports got me into writing in general. And by the time I went to college, I decided I wanted to be an English major. Um, I had no thoughts of writing books, though. It was going to be, you know, catalogs, brochures, um, new, uh, radio spots, things like that. Um, I kind of accidentally stumbled into becoming an author. My brother-in-law um, was an editor for um, a children's uh, publisher, and they were looking for freelance writers to um, help develop this new series of history graphic novels that they were doing. And so he asked me if I wanted to try one, and I said, sure, why not? And uh, that that's how I got into writing books. That's pretty cool. Two very different ways. I love the when you chat to authors, they come from all different sort of walks of life and different sort of backgrounds. So that's really fun. Now, you've also been writing a very fun type of book with I mentioned earlier, the Detective You and the Can You Survive series. These aren't your normal run the mill books. These are books that you as the reader get to be a little bit more involved with. Uh, they're essentially the sort of almost close to the pick your own adventure stories with some more, I'd say, heavy involved uh, sort of narration to them. A little less like go through door A and B. There's a lot more to them in like a, a story building behind that, especially the Detective You series that adds in a little bit of deductive reasoning, which I thought was amazing. So I'm going to put this out to both of you. So feel free, whoever wants to jump in first. Like, what's it like writing a book in a sort of a, a series like this, where you're not exactly writing it from A to B and there's lots of different ways it can go? Um, mind bending. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's a lot to keep track of. Um, I actually went out and got a, a whiteboard 
a giant whiteboard that I keep on my wall now that it, it just has circles and arrows and things are color coded. And so that when I'm writing, I can quick, I can just glance over at the whiteboard and say, oh yeah, that's where I was at. And that's what happened there. So that it's all these bits and pieces that have to fit together. It's like, it's almost like writing a jigsaw puzzle. Yeah. Uh, she said it very well. Um, that That's absolutely true. I, I look at it I look at it more like a tree, like when I'm thinking about it and when I'm describing it to students um, speaking at elementary schools and things like that, um, I describe it as a tree. Um, the story, the main storyline, of course, is the trunk. And then when you make a choice, you're branching off that tree trunk. And your goal as the reader is to get back onto that tree trunk and continue your way up the tree. Yeah, an interesting way of sort of describing the narrative definitely felt puzzly. And I think that's because one of the things I loved, I think it was the uh, the ghost of old Central School in particular. I remember there was some codes I had to break. So basically there was like some circles and some squares and you had to work out what the code was, which again is just something so fun when you think about adding something that a child is going to really engage with. You know, you think of children who are reluctant readers and something like that, when you can sort of drag them into the narrative it almost gives it a, a video game vibe to it and i wonder if when writing it again going back to the both of you to to answer this it does it feel more like you are writing a different type of media rather than a book um it doesn't for me at first um i, I think i do it differently than deb does i write the main story and and um, our books um for clarification there are two different varieties of um, interactive fiction of the choose your path type of book one is like choose your own adventure. When you're reading a choose your own adventure book, you're reading, you know, five or six different short stories. And so you're never reading a story that's longer than, you know, 15, 20 pages. Whereas our books are one long story. And then the choices either keep you in the story or um, they take you to <clears throat> a path you don't want to be on. So um, when I'm writing a choose your path book, I write that whole big story from beginning to end first. Um, that, that's how my brain likes to do it. Get that big story finished, then go back and uh, I guess write all the death scenes. Um, do that. Do that last. Right, and and I can I can write it that way for um, a, a regular choose your path, and actually that that works really well. Um, I found with the Detective You series. Um, I would come up with things as I was writing and I was like, oh, that would be cool. And then I'm like, squirrel. And then I go that way. And then I'm writing along and I go, oh, squirrel. And I go that way. So I'm, I'm a little bit more chaotic than Ryan when it comes to, <laughs> to writing. And I'm trying not to drive him crazy. Oh, not at all. No, it's fun. I, I love um, seeing these books unfold because you just never know. There's so many possibilities. I mean, when you write middle grade fiction, at least when I write middle grade fiction, I, I don't write a lot of death scenes. Um, so it's really fun um, working on this kind of book. You're sort of allowed to do that. And so then it becomes, um, what creative ways can I make this choice turn out as horribly as possible? And that, that's really a fun and um, also a, a challenging um, writing technique or a writing method. It, it, it's, it's something I enjoy, but um, also by the time you're writing the 20th death scene, it does get a little tedious. <laughs> I do. I do try when I'm writing those, I do try to kind of leave it open-ended, like maybe they're not going to make it out, but maybe they do. But later you're just, you're just done either way. <laughs> well, speaking of open-ended is beautifully way to come towards the end. And obviously the one you worked on together, Ghost of the Old Central School, I keep calling it the Ghost of the Old School. Um, 
it, I love the fact that you got to the end and there's like six suspects and they're basically saying like, who do you think did it? And it's not that so much like you're basically like, like you're talking about the trunk there. You don't literally just get to the end of the trunk and it's effectively like, da-da, you've reached the ground, you're fine. You still give them the option to make one very poor choice. <laughs> or if you've actually been paying attention, hopefully you've figured out who the who done it uh, behind it all, which makes me really uh, excited to sort of think about how, I don't know if you've sort of had a look at like reader response. Obviously these ones aren't out yet until October, but I know there's been a couple of others in the past that have done how you found that response and how you've changed perhaps writing these brand new ones compared to some older ones. Um, well, I will. I can tell you that uh, the response to a couple of the other ones that we've done, uh, the one I can speak to in particular is called Storm at the Summit of Mount Everest. And it's a story about uh, two twins who are trying to make it up to the top of Mount Everest and back. Um, and my father-in-law, who is a retired English teacher, actually, uh, he was substituting. And he said, I would take this book into the classroom and whatever the teacher had given me to do, I would ignore it. And we would read this book together and the kids had so much fun. They would elect a leader who would make the choices. And so it was actually, it was an interactive thing that he used in the classroom. And so, I don't know, I thought that was really, really cool. I, I loved that application of the book that it wasn't just, you know, a kid reading it in his room. It was an entire classroom that was engaging with this story and talking about it and having fun with it. Yeah, I've heard similar things. Um, I've heard from a lot of uh, librarians or media specialists who do the same thing um, and they'll let the class vote. Um, mm -hmm. And then majority rules, well, whatever the class votes on, that's what we're gonna do and we'll see what happens. But uh, as to your question, I think the biggest thing I learned um, um, from writing these, um, I learned from teachers. They said, um, if you make really hard choices right at the front and a kid gets it wrong, if a kid gets that first choice wrong, um, that might turn off the reader. So the advice I was given was make sure the first choice or two are pretty obvious or um, make sure they don't matter. So regardless of what um, the student or the reader chooses, they're going to stay in the story at least through a couple of choices. And I thought that was fantastic advice. So um, going forward, um, ever since I got that advice, that's something I try to do. I make those first two or three choices really easy or make it so both choices are just fine. Yeah, I mean, with the detective view, a lot of times it's, um, are you going to take the case or are you not going to take the case? I mean, that one's pretty obvious. If you're going to not take the case, it kind of ends. Yep. <laughs> so, your short book. Yep, you're done. Yeah, I like the idea of that, of like sort of subverting the sort of the problem where you get on some of the things like I grew up on fighting fantasy and you turn in, you open the first door and the first orc or troll would just bash you over the head, you're done. You're like... That wasn't too much fun, was it really? <laughs> um, yeah, and I also, um, I remember from my childhood, There, I don't remember what the book was, but there was this one book, it was a choose your path type of book, and I was a knight on a quest. And I remember I lost, I died because my birthday was on an odd numbered day. And I was furious. I thought that is, that is cheating. That's not fair. That's not right. Um, so, um, so I try to, I try never to do anything like that. I never leave it just to chance. The reader at least can guess. Yeah, I like putting the initiative in their hands. Uh, mm -hmm. Although, interestingly, Ryan sort of 
on one of these books, uh, the initiative is kind of out of your hands because you're working with a known property and that's the Wizard of Oz. Can you survive the Wizard of Oz? I thought this was really interesting way. I know you've done like, can you survive Dracula? Which I thought, oh yeah, that's some really cool vibes yeah. that. The Wizard of Oz though has that sort of make-believe element, but I think most people know about it. So it's, was that even more difficult compared to say like the Ghost of Old Central School or Deb will ask you about the empty cabin in a minute and getting the sort of the spooky whodunit sort of vibes to it. When you're working with that licensed property, people know kind of what goes into that. Yeah, actually, um, we we first uh, we did our first wave of these types of books way back in 2011. And The Wonderful Wizard of Oz was one we intentionally did not do because I thought everybody knows the story there. How can you make a choose your path book? Um, out of a story that everybody knows. But I was talked into it, you know, over the course of 10 years, I was talked into doing it. And because we're doing it based on the book and, and not the movie, there are a lot of differences. And sometimes we can use those differences to sort of mislead the reader too, where the reader thinks they know because they've seen the movie, um, but the book is different. So um, it, it, it was definitely a challenge. And, you know, there, there were choices that I couldn't have in the book, like should Dorothy throw the bucket of water on the witch? Well, everybody knows that. So we had to do like that moment a little bit differently. So it wasn't quite so obvious what we were getting at. Um, um, but otherwise there is, you know, the, the witch is melted like halfway through the book. So there's this whole second quest that happens in the book that is not in the movie. So there are lots of opportunities um, to introduce readers to more of the story too. Yeah, I really like that. And obviously subverting sort of movie tropes, really, Deb, you you solo wrote uh, The Empty Cabin and that has quite a lot of those sort of like horror sort of tropes to them, but in good ways, were you able to sort of lean on some of the sort of the known cliches and sort of subvert them in your own ways that way? Um, yeah, I mean, definitely. I, I grew up on, I don't know if I should tell you this, but I, I loved Stephen King growing up. I mean, I grew up on that stuff and, uh, any horror novel, anything scary, that's what I wanted. Um, as soon as I had kids, I was like, oh no, we're not going to do that. So I kind of got out of it for a while, but, um, kind of, kind of getting back into it. And with the empty cabin, I was able to kind of, um, explore that again, explore the, um, the spookiness and and the the setting um, that I that was chosen for the empty cabin is actually a resort that I grew up going to. Um, so I, I kind of even the map, if you look at the map, it's kind of almost exact to this resort that we would go to every summer. Um, and so it was really fun to explore and and put those spooky elements into this place where I grew up. And you know we would tell these these scary stories around the campfire and. Um, I've got two in particular from my uncle that I still haunt me to this day. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, uh, it was it was just a lot of fun playing with that and and making things intentionally spooky. You don't have to be ashamed of liking Stephen King, Deb. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do like that, and it's really nice to see you say that fun and. Uh, it sounds like you've had a lot of fun writing these books. And of course, that middle book, Ghost of the Old Central School, you wrote together as a sort of a team. What's it like? Because obviously many people think writing is a very sort of 
isolated activity. You're sitting there. I think we all have that vision of the the lone writer over the typewriter, clickety clackety clickety clack, words coming onto a page. But working as a team, what's that like? What's the differences when you're having to sort of share the story between two people? Well, I but- usually I usually pull Deb in. Um, it's usually my fault. What I usually do is I'll start a story. I'll be super passionate about it. I'll, I'll, you know, I like to write from outline. So I'll do an outline of the whole story. I'll have an idea in my head of how the whole thing's going to go. I'll get halfway through and then I'll just like lose steam or get bored or more often than not, think of another idea that I'm so passionate about. I have to start it right now. Um, And so Deb has bailed me out many times and it goes to old central school is one of those where I gave her the first, I don't know, third of the book, half of the book, whatever it was. And then I gave her my notes and my outline and um, I challenged her with finishing it. And she, she's always a good sport about it. Um, I don't know that she said no way yet, but um, yeah, it's fun because then the idea that I have becomes a collaboration and this book turned out so much better with Deb than it would have if I had just finished it myself. Deb is so imaginative and so creative. Oh, thank you. <laughs> no, it, it is a, it's a fun process. And I'll tell you right now that Ryan is always right about grammar. Um, <laughs> so any grammar mistake that I make, Ryan corrects it. Um, but it is, uh, like Ryan was saying, you know, he'll, he'll have this complete outline and he's ready to go with this outline and then he'll hand it to me. And for me, the outline is actually the most difficult part of the entire process. Cause like I was saying, I see things or think of things and I just want to go off on these tangents. Um, but to have that outline there and to have kind of a structure already in place, I feel like that's where my creativity really comes in and where I can really um, dig in and flourish because I don't have to worry about all this structure. I can just have fun with all these scenes and make them as weird and crazy and exciting and engaging as I possibly can. Yeah. Well, and the outline is written in pencil. Even even when I am working on a book by myself, I don't think I've ever stuck to the outline. The outline changes as you go because, you know, as you get into the story and your imagination is sparked, ideas um, better ideas just come to you like this makes more sense with the story let's do this instead right well these three stories had me like i said very invested i just love the whole idea that as a reader especially a young reader it's going to get to feel like they're really making choices and affecting the story and like i said it felt like it was a different piece of media sort of dragging me in sort of almost like virtual reality books you know you're sort of like stepping in the same way we can step into video games nowadays they have that same sort of vibe to them and i think it's great and it's going to engage a lot more different readers so yeah the empty cabin the ghost of old central school and can you survive the wizard of oz are coming out at barnes and noble or your local friendly bookshop on the 11th of october this year so go check them out but that is almost all the time we have for this week so uh ryan and deb i just want to say a big thank you for joining me on this show and we want to know where we can find out more about the pair of you your books and your writing do you between the two of you have some social media or some websites we could go to? Deb has a <laughs> No, I have a, I have a new website I just uh, created. It's called debwritesbooks.com. Um, and that's where I'll be posting uh, things about, you know, upcoming events and, and things like that. Uh, new books that are coming out. Uh, you can read a little bit more about uh, my background, things like that. And I used to have a website. Um, and I still have a domain. The website is no longer there. It's a long story. 
But um, someday I will have a website again. Uh, for now, uh, you, um, people can go to learn more about the books at chooseyourpathbooks.com. Fantastic. And don't forget, if you're listening to this podcast, you can find out more about us at our website. That's bigkidsbookclub.com. There you can find additional reviews, previews, and over 160 episodes of the podcast. So if you are just finding us, you've got plenty more to enjoy. Well, that is the time, all the time we have for this week. So until next time, all I have to say left is for you to take care, to stay safe, but most importantly, to keep on reading. <laughs> <laughs>